Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Coaches on the Beach podcast. I'm Michael Hobson, beach coach at ULM, and I'm here with co-host Colin Wilson, beach coach at Southeastern Louisiana University. And in this episode, I'm super excited about it because I get to ask Colin some questions. We get to learn a little bit more about his life, how he got his start into coaching, um, and just really understand uh, somebody who has a really unique perspective on the beach game and about coaching in general. And um, Colin, uh, just want to bring you in. And uh, if you want to start off by just kind of letting us know where you're at right now, what your current title is, and uh, we'll, we'll get right into your resume and how you got started. Hey, Michael, a longtime listener, first time caller. Um, happy to be here on the pod. Big coaches on the beach fan. Um, no, I, I'm you know, right now I'm the, the head beach coach and the, the associate head indoor coach um, here at Southeastern Louisiana University, uh, about, well, like three and a half hours south of you. I'm down by like New Orleans. You're a little closer to what, like Shreveport. Yeah. It's kind of yeah, the update there. Uh, but yeah, uh, I've been coaching. I've been in college beach volleyball for seven seasons now. So I'm hitting I'm, every seven, all seven years have been college beach. I've done three years now of college indoor. So, uh, and one year of high school indoor good times, but, uh, yeah. So been around the game a little bit. Um, still like we talked about on yours, still consider myself a young coach in the game, uh, and hopefully going to stay young. My dad always had a saying, you're only as old as you feel. So working on that. One. Well, I, I don't like that saying because right now I feel like I'm 25 years older than I am from doing some yard work this past weekend. Yeah, we, we got to get you back on the yard. I'm sure the wife appreciates you uh, <laughs> stepping out and making the body sore for, for the sake of weeds and grass. No, but uh, let's let's kind of talk a little bit about um, how did you get started in volleyball? Yeah, so um, I had this really promising career in uh, baseball, and then I fell in with the wrong crowd, as my dad likes to say. No, I, was, I was actually at the University of South Carolina, um, where I did my undergrad, and uh, the baseball team wasn't hiring, so I uh, was sitting in an apartment with a couple friends of mine at, on the baseball team, and then also on the beach volleyball team, and they said, hey, our, our coaches always need some help, like, you should ask them, so popped over there to RJ and Moritz, got started with them, was working as an agent out in uh, Beverly Hills, that's not true, it was in Santa Monica, but they call it Beverly Hills, Um Every night I would drive, I would bike myself down to the Santa Monica Pier and I would play on the challenge courts in Santa Monica. And then uh, on the weekends when I wasn't working, I had the opportunity to go coach for free at a little club called Sand Soul Beach Volleyball in Huntington Beach, California. Which for those of you that are unfamiliar, uh, I was living in a place called Calabasas, which is up in the valley. And Huntington Beach is in Orange County which is about two and a half hours from each other. So and that's all for out, free. All for free, yeah. Zero dollars income here. Um, and I would do that every week. Now, or... that that is some serious dedication to the game. And you, you mentioned you, you started with baseball and then just happened to walk into Moritz's office and ask him if they needed some help. How did you fall in love with volleyball to be able to drive two and a half hours and then do it for free? Yeah, so uh, obviously I had some friends, right? So Hannah Edelman, 
uh, Ali Denny, Sarah Nicuzzi, and Caroline Scaff were the uh, the beach crew that were hanging out with me and the baseball friends. Um, and they were great friends, right? They were awesome. They were always supportive of whatever we were trying to do. And when I was at uh, South Carolina Beach, we were going into Easter weekend. You obviously have the, the day off on Easter. And uh, I didn't have anything to do. I'm from Portland, Oregon. So about 3,000 miles from South Carolina, Columbia. And uh, Moritz calls me like the night before Easter. And he goes, hey, man, what are you doing tomorrow? And I told him I was uh, going to go and watch opening day MLB at my, in my dorm room by myself because my roommate went home to Virginia and all the kids in our dorm went home. And he goes, yeah, wife said that's not allowed. Um, you're going to come to breakfast with me and my family. So uh, around 9 a.m. on Easter Sunday, I wound up going over to Moritz Moritz and Kevin Moritz's house, hanging out with their kids, uh, Grayson and, and Curran, and then uh, Nan and Pop and, and Guy and uh, you know their family and had a really great time. And, uh, realized kind of this group of people that had known me for like two months were taking me into their home. I thought that was pretty special. so decided to kind of stick with it. And then when I was getting ready to go out to California, we had a girl on our team, Julia Manisto, who was like, you know, Colin, you should coach. She's injured at the time. She was just kind of putzing around on the sidelines where you're talking one day. And she goes, you should, you should coach beach volleyball. I was like, well, maybe I'll look into that, Jules. Of course, like thinking in my head, I'm never going to do that. And then I got out to California and I, I felt that little, I was working in baseball and I felt that little hole in my heart. And so I emailed every club from Malibu down to uh pretty much down to Dana Point California which once again if you're not familiar with geography is like three and a half hours from where I was living I was willing to go to all of them and uh Valinda Roche down at Sansel was the only lady to give me a shot and so I drove down to Huntington started doing it there she was awesome she's a hoot and a half um but yeah that's that's kind of how I got into to beach oh. You're, you're working in this agency, you're driving a really long distance. What, what comes next for you? Yeah, so I uh, went back to finish my final year at South Carolina, uh, kind of with that existential crisis of, of what do I do now? And uh, talked to, to RJ, who had actually been a, a student manager at Wichita State before becoming an assistant coach there. And if you're in volleyball, right, you know RJ Abella. Um, man was a coach at Wichita State for a few years, then moved over to South Carolina Indoor and has been at South Carolina Beach now for a decade. Um, they just finished year 10, and he's the most enigmatic personality you find walking around the beach. Um, my claim to fame is if you see two dudes walking around in tie-dye rainbow shirts, it's me and RJ. We get them at our usual – anytime we, like, go to a, a beach somewhere together, we'll pick up – couple of tie-dye shirts and, and wear them around recruiting. Um, not our school gear, right? Just like tie-dye, I love Hermosa Beach t-shirts. Or um, uh, It started, I think, with an I love Atlantic City t-shirt for an Atlantic City Beach Week one year. Um, but anyway, I was talking to him, and, and he didn't you – know, the first thing I'll always say is he didn't look at me and say, yeah, that's a terrible idea. Um, he said, yeah, man, you can do that. If, if that's something that you want to do, like you can – It'll be hard. It'll kind of suck, but like <laughs> you can do it if you want to. And uh, and so from there, as I was getting ready to graduate college, I called pretty much every Division One coach from uh, South Carolina over to California and asked, hey, do you have a job? 
And I got three calls back. My three calls back were from uh, Hector Gutierrez over at TCU, um, Evan Silverstein over at Hawaii, him and Jeff Hall actually together kind of called me. And then uh, Marcio Sicoli over at Pepperdine. And um, like two out of three, Hector was like, dude, I'm sorry. I got literally nothing for you. Um, Jeff and, and Evan were like, we, we have some manager money. If you want to move out to Hawaii and, and be a grad student manager, like that could be something. And then uh, Marcio said, yeah, I have no job for you at Pepperdine, but I do know of a coach that um, needs a volunteer for next year. And so that's actually how I got hooked up with Cal State Northridge. Um, and that's kind of where I wound up moving out to, to be a volunteer at CSUN um, after I graduated college. And my favorite memory is my dad. I called my dad and I said, hey, I'm going to take the volunteer job at Cal State Northridge. And he goes, you went and got a college degree to go get paid $0? You got you yeah. to get your start somewhere, right? <laughs> I said, yeah, dad. He goes, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and no, my dad's been, uh, my dad has been amazing and, and totally supportive. But I will say that when I first kind of floated this idea to him, there were some words that were not the most supportive words humanly possible. Said. Yeah. He didn't quite see, didn't quite see the vision. Now, now in that move, something that I really valued in my coaching career is the advices of the coaches that got me started. So like Mark Pavlik, he's one of my biggest mentors and pretty much every coaching move I've ever made. I passed through him first was Moritz um, or RJ, somebody that you kind of, leaned on when it was talking about different programs like hey is this Northridge thing gonna pan out for me yeah um the only offer I got was Northridge so it was kind of a there or nowhere kind of deal yeah RJ did kind of mention he's like you know hey Southern California is like the spot to be if you want to get into it like people have a lot of res people tend to give a little bit of um leeway I guess to people from SoCal and so it probably wouldn't be a bad idea for you to go out there and start. Um, and I did that, but I actually also, my favorite memory, and I've told Travis and tried this a couple times, but uh, I started listening to the Sandcast. I think Sandcast came out in maybe 17, maybe early 16. Uh, and I, I was listening to that pretty religiously because it was like that and the college landscape were the only way that I could get any beach volleyball updates really. Um, and I remember Try talking about when he came out to the beach from playing pro indoor and how he got involved with Hyden, who I guess he like showed up at some practices and acted as a practice player. But the way the way I remember it being described was he said like, oh, I showed up and just asked if I could be around. And then eventually they asked me to play. And I remember thinking like, all right, well, if that's how it works as a player – is there any shot that this might work as like a coach too? And so um, I always say there's a, a notification on my phone for every May 20th. Um, so it just passed, right? I think yeah. we're recording this on May 23rd. And on, on May 20th every year, it says, uh, I can only imagine because May 20th, I move in to my apartment in Gardena, California, about seven miles inland of Hermosa. I go down to the beach my first day and I, I get to 16th street, which if you're familiar at all with that area, like 
Each of the streets are numbered. The pier is on like 11th. You start walking north towards Manhattan. You get to 16th Street. Um, and I see these two dudes that I'd seen on YouTube everywhere, the, the McKibben brothers, Madison and Riley. And they're finishing up practice. And I stop them. I go, hey, guys, like, here's the deal. I'm, I'm going to volunteer coach at uh, Cal State Northridge this fall. Uh, I'd love to shag balls for you and, and pretty much listen to how a pro team practices. And they said, sure thing, man. Show up uh, tomorrow at 8 a.m. And I was like, done. Right. I'm feeling like the most accomplished person <laughs> on the planet. I walk over. I get a job at a bar on the pier at uh, Patrick Malloy's. I just, I'm a uh, promoter slash like door guy slash bus boy. Take your pick at whatever I was. <laughs> HM, it was going to keep me out of the keep me out of the homeless shelter for a little bit. Um, you know, my house in Gardena didn't have a roof on it. I had three roommates. We had no roof and we had three bathrooms. So, what do you need uh, a roof for in Southern California? That's what I'm saying. Uh, let me tell you, it rains a couple times a year. And on those days that it rains, you wish you had a roof. <laughs> I, I got a pretty funny story about that. When I was uh, at Bucknell and I was taking my interview at Texas Tech, um, the apartment I was in was so bad, it had a hole in the roof. And we were mid-February, so it was still snowing at Bucknell. And I have on this black suit for my Zoom call with Tony Greystone at Texas Tech. And it looks like I have dandruff just dropping on my suit. But it's really the hole in the ceiling. It's snowing through my apartment onto my jacket. <laughs> yeah, we, we used to have a we had a team group chat, right? Everybody that lived in the house. And, and whenever it started to rain in SoCal, I had the outdoor job. So like I always had first notice. I was always like, okay, guys, it's raining now. Um, one of us sprint to our phones, text the group, say who can get home and whoever could leave work the fastest would drive home as quick as they could and place buckets under everything, every hole they could find. And then when it stopped raining, somebody would go up there and put a new tarp over the holes. Um, you go buy a little 10 by 10 tarp from, from Walmart. So there you go. So anyway, I meet the McKibbins on, on May 20th and I roll out on May 21st to go to my 8 a.m. practice. And uh, I get out there, you know, I'm a, I'm a good businessman. I get out there at 7.45 a.m., ready to go a little early. And as they, uh, I see Riley rolling up on his skateboard, he's got one of those boosted boards, the, the auto power skateboard things. And he goes, hey, man, it's like, uh, it's like 56 degrees outside. It's too cold. We're going to cancel practice. And I'm like, all right, first day, <laughs> first day getting ready to coach. Uh, getting ready to be around pro beach volleyball and, and they cancel practice because it's too cold and uh, I already paid for parking paid for like two hours of parking so I was like <laughs> which if you've ever been down there right like two hours of parking it's like 15 bucks okay it's, that's not easy on a volunteer job no it's it's brutal so I was like well I'm already down here I might as well go for a little stroll so I start walking I keep walking north right I'm on 16th street um, the next kind of checkpoint I would say is 22nd street in Hermosa and there's a big set of bathrooms right there. And then on 20, they call it the 21st street courts. There's a big California Republic flag that hangs up from the court there and they play fours all the time. And there's some old man, old lady groups that that'll play doubles on the big court, old school rules. Um, but anyway, so I'm walking that way and I get right there and see this really tall lady uh, running around the court kind of closest to the ocean. So away from the strand. And I walk out there and I'm like, all right, I'm going to, this looks like an AVP player. Like she's six foot five. I doubt this is just some weekend warrior on a Tuesday. 
getting ready to play beach volleyball. So I roll out there, and as I get a little bit closer, her partner is stretching kind of on the sand uh, next to the court. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's April Ross and Alex Kleiman. Like, this is the scariest moment of my life. So I, I wait, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to wait till they finish their warm-up before I come up and, and pose this question of, like, hey, can I just shag balls? And luckily, like, to my saving grace, uh, Jen Kessie, who's their coach at the time and April's little partner, starts walking up, and she's got, like, 40 tons of stuff in her hand, right? She's got a coach's box. She's got a whiteboard. She's got a bag of volleyballs. So I'm like, hey, can I help you with that? Sure. Carry the bag over to explain my story. I'm like, hey, I'm Colin. I'm going to be a coach at Cal State Northridge, and I just want to I want to be around good beach volleyball and, and see what I can learn. And Jen goes, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> and, and lets me hang around and uh, first drills a little side out drill. And Jen goes, Hey, my, my shoulder's a little sore. Would you be able to hit down balls for me today? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> up nine pitches. I'm 21 years old. I'm staring down Olympic bronze medalist and Olympic silver medalist, April Ross, staring down her partner, Alex Kleiman. I'm like, sure. And I, I step on the court and I, hit the best round of down balls in my career. You better man. believe they better been the best. <laughs> I mean, I'm shaking the whole time, right? My hands, hands going crazy, like Gene Wilder and blazing saddles. And, uh, anyway, that meet Tyler Hildebrand at that, that practice, same practice. So I'm sitting with Tyler, who's the, the head coach of overall USA beach volleyball at the time. And, and Jen Kessie, who's coaching April and Alex. And they kind of asked me like, Hey, do you want to come out again tomorrow? I was like, would love nothing more than to come out again tomorrow <laughs> and uh started doing that for i mean they, they took a lot of international tours right this is may so it was like an eight week stretch during that summer where everybody was on the road but i'm back and i stay in touch with tyler and they let me start going to usa practices and i did that every day for about a year um leading into covid and, and the world shutting down um but yeah it was it's probably the luckiest break I ever had and the the dumbest, best decision I ever made was walking up to that tall lady out on the twenty first street courts. Um, you know, I got to meet gold medalists and, and be around the highest level practices you could find. Yeah, that's awesome. And like when so when I first started getting into the game, I, I did a lot of film study of uh different places, different people, um, trying to compare West Coast to East Coast. Um, and the, the biggest thing I saw was the, the professional to collegiate level. It's, it's a very different game because one collegiate level, you're, you're playing five pairs, trying to earn points professional. It's all about you and your partner. There's no one, if you have a bad game, there's no one to back you up to still try to win that match. And so what I saw was the, the pressure on the, the, the professional athletes, um, when you were going through the practices with them, did, could you could you feel that pressure a little bit, or how were they training to train that grit, or was there any training in there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely a pair by pair. So obviously, I told the story about being with April and Alex, but I had the opportunity to be with pretty much every pair in the top, say the top three pairs in either gender, so three men's, three women's pairs. Um, I had the opportunity to be with them at every pra or at at least one practice a week. So I saw Carrie Walsh and, and Brooks Flett um, play together. I saw Sarah Sponsel and Kelly Clays. Obviously saw April Ross, Alex Kleiman, and then 
Eastock, Emily Stockman, and, and Kelly Larson. Guys side, saw everybody but Phil and Nick because they were living out in Florida. And there was just such a, a variance, right? There was um, Sarah and Kelly are 23 and 24 years old a pop. And they're figuring out, you know, they know what it's like to be at the college level, right? They've both at that time had won national championships on the, on the beach side. Um, Sarah had been a high level indoor setter, right? And they, they kind of had this like happy go lucky vibe to it. They were, they were happy to be out there. They were still shopping. You know, I remember the biggest piece for them was when we shopped around new coaches, right? They decided to make a coaching change at the end of 2019 and we were trying out different guys. So Hector Gutierrez came out from TCU. Ryan Mariano, Sarah's club coach from from juniors, came out. Um, you know, Jordan Chang, who obviously seems to have worked out for, for Jay Chang out there as he's still their coach. And um, him and Kelly are actually married now. And, you know, I remember seeing kind of that vibe, which was like, hey, we got to figure out how to take this professionally. We need somebody that can help us kind of push it forward to April and Alex who, um, you know, they wanted the the new ideas. They wanted the, the differences, but when it came to getting to work, like there was nobody that worked harder out there than, than April Ross. Like that woman puts herself through it every day of the week, twice on Sundays, right? Just grinds. Um, and clearly it's paid off. And, and she had Alex right in that fold, right? Her, Jen and Alex were working together no problem um so i think there was like some very different different pieces right there's Eastock and, and kelly who were trying to figure out like all right what's the little hump that we need to to get over to to be a top two pair in the in the united states and they were very close to it um so as far as like the differences between the college and the the pro game i, I honestly don't see that much outside of the lack of structure yeah, you can lean on other people, but I think each pair collegiately still takes quite a bit of pressure into their own matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe there's a slight difference between, you know, if, you, if you're if you playing two waves and wave one, you're down 0-2, and now, you know, all, right, all three of us got to win. <laughs> yeah, that that's the pressure that I was talking about is, like, yeah, you play two different that, waves. Yeah. But I think I think the, the pressure for each pair, they still feel that need to be self-accomplishment, right? Because that first wave maybe is the fours and the fives. And maybe those fours want to prove that they can be the threes. They feel that pressure. Um, but it is definitely – there's a different mentality, right? Because I've been a part of five college beach programs now, and I know that you know each fives pair probably didn't have the same mindset going into practice every day that Emily Stockman and Kelly Larson did for Sarah Sponsel and Kelly Clays. So that's, I think, the the biggest difference. Not to say they can't. You know, I remember Kelly and Sarah Hughes, Kelly Clays and Sarah Hughes at the time um, in Southern Cal, they played an AVP final, and then they came back to college the next year. They were beating all their teammates. And they were like, the question became, didn't become like, did that point score? But would April have dug that ball? would carry a block that ball. Right. And so it kind of shifted their focus from who am I playing with presently to who am I trying to be better than, at least when you're at the top of your college program. Yeah. And at that time they were the top of the college world. Like nobody yeah. was beat. One in three straight matches is hard to do, man. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I think that's the biggest difference I noticed between uh, college and pro. It's good stuff. And so you're at Northridge at this time. 
what gets you back to the East Coast? Because I know you come back. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I was actually at Northridge. I was at Northridge. I was doing USA. Um, I was also, I coached P1440. They had an adult series for a little while where they were training, like, up-and-coming beach pros on the AVP tour. Um, so I actually did that. That was Marcio's thing. Uh, who he Marcio got me the job at Northridge and also got me involved with P1440. And then, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about you hounding Charlie Olson all the time for, for your job at Monroe. I probably called Stein Metzger uh, probably once a week, at least <laughs> text for maybe a month and a half. Uh, he, he ran a club called LA Beach in Southern California. And I just like, I was like, Stein, you ever need a court coach? You let me know. Like, you ever need a coach? Let me know. You ever need a coach? Let me know. You never need a coach? Let me know. Finally, one day he calls me and he goes, all right, I need a coach at the Hermosa Beach Pier at 4 o'clock. And it's like 1.30 and I'm staring at the Hermosa Beach Pier. He goes, you think you could make it there by then? I'm like, yeah. So I go grab a bottle of water from the convenience store and I sat at the Hermosa Beach Pier for two and a half hours <laughs> just waiting for, this, uh, waiting for this thing to start. And uh, I get there and he gives me a T-shirt. He goes, all right, what, what age group do you feel like you're best with? And I'm like, I don't know, man, any of them. Just <laughs> I've coached a 13U team. I've coached college, like, coached camps. Let me let me do it. And he lets me do it. And I grab a grab a beverage with uh, Kaylee Thoroughby and Spencer McLaughlin after that and kind of make my case to them. Like, we're watching the Golden State Warriors uh, Western Conference final game, and I'm like, yeah, guys, uh, so here's my story. Like, I really think I deserve a job at LA Beach. <laughs> And uh, Stein calls me again the next day, and he goes, all right, can you make it to practice? I go, sure, make it to practice. I'm, uh, I'm wearing the same T-shirt he gave me the day before. <laughs> and uh, I go to give it back to him after the practice, and he goes, all right, I think you've earned that T-shirt. I'll see you again Tuesday. And uh, there I finally, you go. Finally, finally got my job at LA Beach. So I did all that until, whatever, the day the world shut down, right? I remember the day the world shut down. I ran a practice for uh, Tina and Anastasia from Latvia. And I was like, hey, you know, it looks like my college season's over. So if you guys want to do this again tomorrow, let me know. And they said, all right, we'll do. Text me like 10 o'clock that night and said, the borders are closing. We're going to go home to Latvia. It's <laughs> like, all right, cool. That happened. And then I started delivering pizzas at Domino's for a little while. Um, decided I couldn't afford SoCal. Called Stein, said, hey, can you get me in it? at Oregon so I can be a little closer to my family. Uh, my dad was sick at the time. So move up to, to Oregon in June of 2020. Um, worked as a general contractor, went down to Oregon, was a uh, U-Haul worker, 7-Eleven uh, employee and bartender. And uh, also, oh yeah, beach volleyball coach at the University of Oregon at the same time. And uh, did that all. That's a volunteer job as well. So did that one for for free, as they like to say. Uh, and yeah, I did that through through kind of the COVID fall. It was a really strenuous time because we knew indoor was playing in the spring. Um, you know, my, my head coach, Janice Hare, had a lot of personal personal stuff going on. And she lived not super close. So kind of was going through it. Obviously, I'm working three jobs. Like not exactly the easiest uh, easiest go of it, but uh, was kind of working to make it happen. So 
did all my recruiting calls on my off days Sunday. Tried to tried to do as much recruiting for the program as I could. Um, ran practices whenever Janice and Dave couldn't make it, uh, and then worked my other three jobs. Was doing that until, luckily, thank goodness, in uh, January of 2021, um, I guess Steve Lozelik over at Coastal Carolina had called Beth Van Fleet and said, "Hey, do you know anybody that needs a, a job?" <laughs> and uh, luckily, I'd I'd called Beth maybe like two weeks prior, <laughs> and she said, "Yeah, actually, Colin Wilson could use could use a gig." So Steve called me, and I moved out to Coastal Carolina University in uh, Conway, South Carolina. Going back to the East Coast, another uh, very cheap and short distance move. Yeah, yeah, it was super easy. I mean, luckily, the the best part about volunteering is you don't own anything. (laughs) Uh, And so I pretty much, what did I have to do? I I sold a bed. I had a bed in Oregon, and pretty much it. Sold that, put the other four things I owned into a box, and threw them in the back of my Jetta and drove east. That's but yeah, yeah, no, it was, a, it was a fun move out to Coastal and had the absolute best time with Steve and that group out there. Uh, really special, special team. Got to got to also be the director of operations so uh, for the indoor program. So I learned data volley, uh, got my foot in that door, learned everything there is to know about logistics in terms of travel and got to work with some amazing coaches. You know, David Wynn was our assistant on the indoor program. He uh, he recently took over the head indoor program at Fairleigh Dickinson, who got to play Texas in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Also got to hang out with uh, Dietrich Collins Parker. Um, we share a mutual love of 90s R&B. So caught up with her. Oh, beyond that, she was also, oh yeah, like a national team player on the women's side for indoor, played at University of Hawaii. Spent like 25 years, I think, as a Division One head coach before coming to Coastal. She's now at Arizona, so she's pretty dope. Uh, Joseph Foreman, right, won four conference championships over there at Coastal. He did a good job. And then Steve Loswick, who's, I think, the seventh winningest NCAA beach coach in college history. Um, there isn't I'll, – I'll give anybody, any listener of this podcast uh, will receive $5 from me if they can find somebody that has a bad thing to say about Steve Lozwick. Cause the guy has uh, done nothing but been an amazing human being to everyone he's worked with, including the folks at LSU, um, Fran Flory, legendary coach there says nothing but good things about him. His wife usually says good stuff about him. Uh, you know, the university of North Florida, you won't find many players there that didn't enjoy their experience with Steve. So I feel very fortunate to have gotten to work with him and Moritz and RJ. My crew is in South Carolina, but yeah. There you go. That's that's a pretty good journey. <laughs> who would you say, like, out of out of all of your stops currently, who would you say mentored you the most in coaching? Because you have you have some pretty big time names on your list, and then like you you have some people that helped you get started. Wow. Yeah, so I guess mentorship-wise, I guess how do you measure mentorship, right? Who do you call the most? Uh, Maritz probably – I probably have Maritz, Maritz's ear the most, um, mostly because we talk we, – we don't just talk coaching, but we talk bourbon as well. Both big uh, – There you go. Bourbon. What's your favorite? Uh, I'm definitely a big Eagle Rare guy. 
Um, Rich likes the blends. You know, I, I'm about trying them all though. Like I, I'm about a, a wide range of experience. He definitely picks his favorites and, and kind of rolls with them. Um, but yeah, I talk probably pick him, pick his brain the most as terms of like, what the heck am I doing? And how do I not lose my mind doing it? Um, RJ is probably the smartest recruiter I've ever met, right? The, there's nobody that has a better brand in terms of recruiting than RJ Bella. Um, Steve Loswick, like I've talked to, I've talked to a lot of coaches this season just about building culture and what they want their programs to look like. And inevitably the thing that I find is that people say they want to build a program like what coastal Carolina looks like. And so uh, Steve's got the secret sauce over there, right? He's doing yeah. something right culture wise. He's building a group of people that care about others that, that think for themselves, that know their own worth. And I think that's incredibly valuable. You know, Janice Herrer did a great job of finding the, the person within the person. Um, I steal a lot of things from her. Noel Rook taught me the, the ins and outs of what it was to be a coach. Like didn't sugarcoat it. Didn't like, didn't try to sweet talk me into doing anything. It was like, Hey, listen, dude, this is how it is. <laughs> um, and so I think I'm, I'm really grateful for all of that. I mean, I definitely think Moritz catches, has to catch most of my stuff, the, you know, more often than anybody else. But I got lucky. I got really lucky that I had a really great group of people that started me off in this, in this sport. That, that is, that is quite a list you got, man. And like, I, I think the, the most impressive thing is like, you're so humble about it, but truthfully like none of those people would be involved with you if you weren't the good guy that you're telling all of them that they are um and that that is that is really really cool to me that's that's what stood out to me the most when i met you um and then like as we built like you you truly go by your values you truly go and that's something that i've taken from you is building those relationships building those values and that as i'm building my program here at ulm you're now head coach down south of me and you had your first season here. What, what does that look like for you now? And what does the future look like for you? Yeah. Finally figured out what all those guys were talking about when they said, Hey, it wasn't always like this. Um, so yeah, we got a newer program down here at Southeastern. I'm, I'm excited to, to see where it can go. Right. I think that's, there's always that fun of challenging yourself. Like where, where can I take things and, that's probably like the worst way to look at it. Cause it's the most selfish way to look at it. Right. I gotta, I gotta figure out where we can go. Um, I know that the, this program has a ton of support from the community and the department. And, you know, I want to be a team that, that obviously does things for the right reasons because I've seen really great programs um, get dismantled for things that like they have no control over, right. You can build the best team in the world, and then the COVID-19 pandemic can shut your team down. LSU should have won the 2020 national championship. <laughs> like I love Katie and Russ. They're two of my favorite people. That team was gnarly. <laughs> like, the <laughs> Team went out to California, beat UCLA on a Tuesday, went over to Southern Cal, beat them on a Wednesday, right? Like they were taking people down left and right. It was, it was a no doubter. And that was on the road. They beat UCLA earlier in the year at home. Um, in Baton Rouge 
Like it was it was gonna be tight, but I think if there was ever a year for a team that didn't include UCLA or USC to do it, twenty twenty was probably the year. You know, twenty twenty uh two at Coastal Carolina probably should have been like the best year of my coaching career. We had a gnarly schedule lined up. We had a squad, absolute squad, ready to rock and roll. I second that. Yeah, and then four season-ending injuries happen, and all of a sudden you're like, and not like, oh, everybody tore their rotator cuff. We're probably doing too much hitting. Like, long COVID, (laughs) right? Like, hip labrum surgery. The most random stuff you could humanly think of. And, And then even, you know, players getting hurt throughout the season. So, like, there are so many things that can dislodge the results factor of it, mm-hmm. but um, I want to build a group that that is proud of what they do, whatever it is, and and that also, and this will be the biggest thing is like I always want somebody that that thinks for themselves. I think we're building a group of young women that are going to go out and they're going to be CEOs and they're going to be moms and they're going to be doctors and they're going to be pick your profession, right? And they're not going to just take things at face value. Because nobody ever changed the world by just following the rules. Right? They're going to think for themselves. They're going to do the things that they think are best for humanity. And I think that's like the most exciting piece of where this program can go. Um, and getting to be the kind of the front runner for it, the the advocate for it is what excites me most. Because I want to do everything that I can to give them the opportunity to be that. Um, nothing I want to do can diminish their value in that regard yeah that's that's a great perspective and like it's gonna take a lot of hard work is what i'm finding out um with building uh, a program and understanding what they want out of their program because like you said it's, it's not my program it's not your program like they could do it without us we couldn't do it without them and that that is a, a big factor in it but yeah. um like you talk about moving forward with your team. What about with the beach game in general? We, we're seeing a lot of changes. So, like, what would you like to see in the future with the beach game? Yeah, I want to see a little less. Um, I want to see a little less continuity. I want to. I want to see people like stretching the boundaries. So you know, we talk about um, AVP Huntington, right? Miles and Andy ripping in the jump set. Do I think the jump set's the way of the future? Oh, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> totally honest. But I would absolutely love nothing more than more people trying it. You know, big props to, to Alex Luna over at F- SFA, right? He's tried a really low, fast tempo offense. I think it's fascinating. I think there are things that we don't know we can do yet that we have the ability to to execute that if we just challenged ourselves more, we would find unbelievable success i can't remember what national championship it was but i remember stein telling me about it's all coming down to lily justine and sarah sponsor at the twos and they kind of do this little side switch and they talk about like all right what are we going to do here whatever they go out on the court and they had play they have plays right they have uh blue black white and gold and i think uh white is wide gold is quick Maybe a blue is up and down and a black is behind or something like that. And 
Um, I used to know it when I when I coached that system, but I don't coach that system anymore, so I don't remember. <laughs> but anyway, they had they had those set plays, right? And they're in the national championship. It's down to their pair, and they call like pass goes up, and I think Lily Justine calls black magic, black magic, and Stein's going what? What on <laughs> earth is black magic? <laughs> and it's a it's like a shoot pin set behind. So it's like pass goes straight ahead. <laughs> Player takes a dead sprint to the other pin, chucks up absolute sauce, goes down for the kill. They win the match. Right. And it's like the coolest thing ever. But it's like I never do that again. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> the ultimate never do that again. Or, or Beth at uh, Georgia State tells me about Eden Haas and Mel- Maddie Del Monte. They're playing FAU in the conference tournament. And Eden's in the middle of this long rally, and she gets this like tough ball kind of at her platform, but a little higher. And she leans back and kind of gives it a shove and goes right into the back corner pocket, like back to zone one. And the whole time she's going over on one, and it's high, right? It's not a quick low ball, it's, it's pretty high. And Beth goes, No, 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 no. It goes down, yeah. <laughs> Georgia State beats. FAU, like I want that. I want us to to continue to push the boundary of what we can do. So the less this is the way we can be, and the yeah. more I wonder what it could be. Uh, I think the better it'll be for our sport. Uh, I I think that sounds great, man. And my last question for you is, oh, I actually have two more. Number one is you're a really well read person. So what kind of quotes or mantras you got rattling up in that brain? What would your favorite be? Yeah, favorite is a uh, favorite is MLK. Um, if I cannot do great things, let me do small things in a great way. And uh, I kind of took that from a high school baseball coach of mine, Colin Griffin. Uh, he shares a great name, so I figured. I was just about to say that. Um, you know, I figure that's that's probably the best reason. But no, he he always used to say. If you do the small things, the big things take care of themselves. Um, and, and I think if I can do little things, if I can make a great relationship with one player, then life's going to be okay, right? If I, if, I can do, if I can do right by my team, then it'll be okay. Yes, I might not change the world, but if I can change that person's life, then I've done my job and I've, I've made a meaningful impact on this world, so... I think that's probably my favorite quote. I got a few other quotes laying around that I always throw out every now and again, but that's one one overall. You might even find that in the Instagram bio. There you go. And then last one, um, talked a little bit about it earlier. What would your advice to people that are trying to get into volleyball, beach volleyball, into the coaching world right now? Yeah, be bold. Uh, You never know until you ask, and you never know for sure until you ask like three times. Um, I think you got two guys on this podcast right now that had to ask for jobs like seven times before they finally got them. Make them say no and make them say no 10 times. <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably not the best way to make friends. Like <laughs> I'm sure on the third call, Stein was like, dude, stop talking to me. But uh, by call 10, he gave me a job. So, you know, life goes on. But for, for me, well, on my story, I called Charlie so much. He was telling me about the other people he was interviewing and saying like, oh, we're offering them and like trying to get me to stop calling. I was like, all right, I'll talk to you next week. Dude, I love it. It's probably why you're a good recruiter. Um, 
but yeah, no, I think, I think persistence, right? Persistence is the piece that, that'll go a long ways. And, um, if you, if you have a passion and a knowledge for the sport, there'll be a spot for you. I mean, we, we've talked about it a few times, I think first episode, we talked about open jobs, but like there's six or seven open jobs in college beach volleyball right now. And people need them filled. And yeah, they're not glamorous, right? You're not going to be living in Manhattan high rises um, by yourself. But I'll tell you what, you are going to get a great experience and you're going to live a really full and rich life. And if you truly want to give it, get into it, dive all in. Um, there's a, a book called Range by David Epstein, um, who I think... He wrote the talent code maybe i think it might be the same author uh range right is this idea of and i guess the, the easiest way to describe the concept is the person that wins the nobel prize in physics every year is rarely a physics person right it's usually somebody from an outside thing the person that figured out google's ad coding issue was not in google's code it program they were in google's marketing program so like the more you can diversify yourself and jump into a topic and then figure out if that's the topic for you, the more likely you are to be successful. So if you can dive in, find some range as an assistant coach, it gives you a leg up on being a head coach or being a manager at a sunglass hut or whatever the thing that inspires you is. That's good stuff. Um, coming to the end of the episode, uh, we're, we're recording this a couple weeks early, probably. Um, but Colin, what do you got going on in June, recruiting wise, camp wise? What are you, what are you looking at in June? Yeah, June recruiting. Uh, I got uh, some stuff. I got something local. I got a little Slidell clinic uh, June 10th at Point Break Beach. Um, then the week after, I'm going down to Sandstorm in Delray Beach, Florida. I get to head out to South Florida for the first time in a little while. And then uh, also hitting up Kansas City P413 for uh, a, a late June showcase, I guess, before we hit national season in early July. That's good stuff. And, yeah, for me, uh, June looks a lot less traveled. Um, I'm, I'm spending some time with my wife. Uh, we're, we're getting our LLC set up. We're going to be hosting some camps and clinics right here in Monroe. Um AVP dates, uh, we're looking end of June, early July. You got the Denver Open coming back. Get that early July 4th weekend started um, hot with some beach volleyball. And then end or beginning of July again, you have uh, July 7th, 9th, Hermosa Beach Open. Um, also hosting that, that AVP Juniors uh, tour date there uh, for their, their bid winners. Um, so that will be a good tournament. Yeah, and we got some FIVB going on. I mean, if you're into the early July stuff, July 5th through 9th, I think is Stad. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a, there's a challenger event between now and then. I can't remember where exactly it is. But if you have VBTV, you can check out all of the Beach Pro Tour International Beach Volleyball. Um, when I was at USA Volleyball with Tyler Hildebrand, we used to do a thing called Watch the World Wednesdays. And it was just like the idea of, what are the things that the top pros are doing that we can implement into our game? And I always found that most interesting because I love the idea that, you know, there's, there's always the argument 
well, my college players aren't the same as April Ross and Alex Kleiman? The answer is no, they're not. But is there things that those top players are doing theoretically that you can implement into your college game? Because the game is different, right? The, the players they're playing also aren't the same people that April and Alex are playing. So how can we kind of implement that? If you ever get the chance, um, Stad, Montreal in July, I think there's a couple of challenger events. You can also keep up with the Olympic rankings and see who's uh, getting ready to head to Paris in 2024.